Are you looking to grow yourself as a leader? It might be to help you further your career, lead your family, lead your community, lead your church, whatever it is. We are all leaders. And today we have a special guest who is going to give us a very simple strategy, some tips to help us grow in our own leadership skills. And let me tell you, this guest is going to inspire you to want to be the best leader you can be. Welcome back to another episode. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today because today we're talking about leadership and I love talking about leadership and to make it even better. We have an incredible guest here with us today. Dr. Artika Tyner is here and she's a passionate educator, lawyer, author, sought after speaker and advocate for justice. And she's going to be talking to us about a simple strategy she has to help us all grow in our own leadership. And you might be thinking, but Jenny, I'm not a leader. And I'm going to say right back to you, of course you are. Of course you are. We are all leaders in different ways. And regardless of how you lead, regardless of your leadership style, your position, this is going to help you grow. And growing, my friends, is where the magic happens. That is the good stuff of life. And it is by no accident that you are here today listening to this episode. So I'm so excited for our tea could be pouring so much brilliance into you today. And did you know that summer is such a great time for you to be focusing on your growth, whether it be your leadership growth, your faith growth, growing in your marriage, growing in any way that you wanna grow, now is a great time to be doing that. And if you are looking for some additional resources to help you in that growth path for yourself, I invite you to join Life Balance Membership because that is where you're gonna learn a lot of the systems that we talk about here on the show to help you really create some balance in your life, regardless of how you define it for yourself. You can learn more by going to yourliferocks.com. All right, my friends, you're gonna wanna bring out your notebook for this one. And if you're driving and listening to this and you can't write in your notebook, say the things that mean something to you or stick out to you out loud. It will help your retention. And there is a lot of golden nuggets in this episode, so get ready. Without further ado, let's get into my interview with Dr. Artika Tyner. Artiga, welcome to the Redefining Balance podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Now, we are going to be talking about leadership today, which I think is such an important topic, and you've got really some amazing stuff for us. But before we dive into all of your brilliance, share with our audience a little bit more about who you are. Well, I am by day a a law professor, a researcher, and author, but I would say what really defines who I am is that I'm a woman of faith who's dedicated to really living out Micah chapter six, verse eight of seeking justice, loving mercy and walking humbly before God. So I've had just some unique opportunities to really serve in my community in meaningful ways and tap into my gifts and talents, help others find their gifts and talents to really, I know it might sound a little cliche, but how do we make the world a better place? So whether it's in the classroom, a pulpit, or, you know, at the legislature, really asking those critical questions. Because based upon my faith and cultural traditions, we're indebted to the future generations of seven generations. So it gives me a sense of purpose, gives me a sense of courage, it gives me a sense of determination to really make justice come alive in some meaningful ways. Praise God. I mean, isn't it amazing? I, you know, one of the things I love about doing this show is meeting so many incredible women like yourself that have fully leaned into God, how God created you and who he created you to be and taking all of your life experiences 
and using them to further the kingdom and really being able to live out the word of God and everything that you do. It just is beyond incredible. And I'm so blessed that you're here to share some of that wisdom using those those gifts and talents that God gave you with all of us. Well, for me, that's really my my lifeline because I tell people oftentimes they think being a lawyer and just being a you know a professional and a leader and all those things are what define you, but those are really vehicles to shine the light in the world in some meaningful ways. So whether it's you know the person who enjoys cooking, that could be your ministry. It might be the way that you reach someone first through their taste buds, and then you connect them related to their story related to your own personal mission and helping them to find their life's purpose. So I'm really, you know, in many ways, I call myself a treasure hunter. I help whether it's my students or the women that I coach or volunteer in the community, help people find their treasures and figure out how they can make an impact. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. And amen. I mean, God can use everybody. And I think that that's the real takeaway here is that we all have this opportunity. And that was the first question I had for you as we're talking about leadership is, you know, really thinking about who is a leader? Because I, I know that there are some people who are listening to this podcast that might think, oh, I'm not a leader. This episode's not for me. I'm going to skip to the next one. So speak to those people who don't necessarily identify themselves as a leader. That was me. I didn't identify myself as a leader. I ended up studying leadership through my doctoral studies and pursuing my education further to really ask that question. And at first, I just even resisted the word. It's like, who, you know, does someone have to say I'm a leader? Who is it? How does it all work? And then as I delved deeper in my studies, I realized that it was time to redefine leadership, that it wasn't about a position or wasn't about a title or exercise of power, but it really was about having that vision for justice, asking yourself, what will be your impact? How do you leave the world a better place? So it was a different set of questions. It wasn't whether or not you were a CEO or how much money you had in the bank. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But if we look at leadership and make it what it should be, leadership then is something about each and every one of us having a sense of agency, having a sense of impact in our daily lives. So I'll give you one quick example. I was doing a leadership lecture at the women's club. And it was all about how women can lead change and how they can make a difference. And so I was signing books and thanking folks for coming. And there was a remarkable woman. She was last, but she was not least. She was really at the top of my mind ever since the conversation. She said, it's wonderful. She purchased the book, but she said, you know, I'm not a leader. You know, I'm a stay-at-home mom. How could I be a leader? So actually, my first leadership profile or example that I learned from was my own mother. And my mother taught me how to be that CEO. She had a balance of budget that was non-existent. She had to bring people together in the midst of conflict. She had to plan ahead for our future legacy of our family. So by the time we were done with that conversation, I felt that I had accomplished my day's mission, that I encouraged a woman to see herself more clearly, that truly leadership wasn't something that someone else would give her. It was something that she was already walking in. And the beauty of it was she was leading her own two little girls in their day-to-day life teaching them morals, teaching them respect, helping support their education. She's doing all of these things, but she thought she wasn't the leader, but she was a leader in her home and leading two beautiful young ladies to the future. That's amazing. And it's so true. You know, moms really are the ultimate example of a leader. I am taking this class right now at our church. And one of the things that they said in talking about leadership that was really impactful, it made a huge impact for me, is they said, you know, as Christians, we follow... Jesus. And that's, that's, you know, the way that we, we walk out our lives. But when we follow Jesus, our goal is that other people would follow us to Jesus. 
And if we are having people follow us to Jesus, we are leading them to Jesus. Therefore, we are leaders. And it gave a whole different meaning to the word leadership for me because, you you know, normally when you think about the word leadership, and I think that this is true in so many words in our English language, is that we have our preconceived notions of what we think that that word has to mean. And when we think about leaders, we think about things like CEOs, business owners, people that we may or may not be. But when we really think about it as leading people to God, I think that that's something that we all want to be. We all want to be that type of a leader. Agreed. So it changes then those attributes. That leadership isn't just about power, respect, about money, but leadership then becomes about influence, about being an inspiration to others. And that piece that Robert K. Greenleaf explored in his book, The Servant Leader, how can we serve? And he does use those Judeo-Christian examples of making sure that we're being really the hands and feet of Christ. How are we making a difference in our day-to-day lives, in the workplace, in our homes, and in the community? Yeah, so inspiring. I love this. So today we're talking about growing in leadership. Why do you think it's important that we not just take on that role of understanding that we are leaders, but then to go that next step to decide to grow in our leadership? It's critically important because leadership is really about a journey. It's not a destination. That means that I'm learning and growing each and every day. I'm learning. I can talk about myself a little bit each day, and especially in the midst of everything that we've seen with the pandemic, I had to learn how to be more empathetic. I had to learn how to be more patient. I had to learn. Clearly, I'm a talker. I had to learn how to be silent and be comfortable in silence. I had to learn how to be more of an empathetic listener. So in that way, over this past year and a half, I've learned and grown in ways that I could not imagine because I knew that in my community in particular, in the African-American community, we've been disproportionately impacted by some of the healthcare challenges. So that meant that I had to lean in and offer support when people had lost a loved one. I had to lean in and offer support and encouragement when people were struggling with health issues. So I use this as my own personal example to say that we all have to grow in some new ways through our learning experience and how we connect with each other. Mm, That's so good. It is so true that one of the things that I thought about when you were saying this is that when we think about like the the ideals and the values of a leader and, and kind of that intent of who we want to be as a leader, it feels so positive and uplifting. But then when we start thinking about like having to be quiet when we really want to talk or being empathetic when we really want to, you know, just kind of go with our own way of thinking, our own way of doing, and the challenges that come when we say, I want to be a better leader, it kind of can take us back a little bit to be like, oh, (laughs) maybe it's not all this beautiful, positive world of, you know, I want to be a better leader so I can further grow the kingdom or, or be better in my career or help my kids be the best that they can be. But then we forget that leadership really comes with challenges too. It does. And our faith can cause us to lean in and get a better understanding of that. It comes with challenges and it comes with great sacrifice because it means then that I have to put the interests of others sometimes ahead of my own. It means then that I'm not just doing something to, you know, receive acknowledgement that I'm working and maybe no one will ever know what I've done, but it'll be written in the great book that the Lord knows what I did in submission to him. It's not the same definition that we give in a worldly standard or secular standard that we would give as believers. As believers, it's going the extra mile for your brother or sister. It's going that extra mile when you see an injustice and it's speaking up, speaking out, and it's praying, it's fasting, and it's discerning as well. 
Mm, So well said and so beneficial. Like I think it's the benefits by far outweigh the sacrifice. I agree. I always remind folks because we're planting a seed. And in many ways, the greatest challenge for a believer is that when you plant the seed, you want to reap the harvest. You want to say, I've done this because human nature gets in the way sometimes and we've achieved this, but really a bountiful harvest that we make sure that we plant enough seeds in the lives of others, that encouraging word, discipleship, that we're reaching out and that with those seeds, maybe another sister comes and she waters it. Maybe another one prunes it. Maybe the next one is getting the ground ready for that next seed. So it also ensures when we think about leadership through a spiritual lens, it ensures that we understand that there's more power in us working collaboratively than it is in us working separately. So I think a part of it is redefining leadership for what we've been taught, adding in the components of faith and our biblical truths as well, and integrating this together to get a better understanding of how we can be those women of the kingdom who make a difference. Amen. I So beautifully well said. So beautifully well said. And I hope that everyone who's listening to this are like me right now and just like fired up. Like, yeah, I want more of that. <laughs> I want more of that in my life. I want to be able to do more of that and plant more seeds or, or be that person that comes along and further develops those seeds that have already been planted before me. And I think that that is, you know, life's a great work. And and one of the things I love about the work that you are doing and that God has really commissioned you to do and helping people grow in their leadership and find those giftings is that you have a really clear strategy in helping us do that. And that's the thing I really want to dive into with you because my listeners know, like we're all about the actions, the bullet points, like give it to me, let's get it in and let's get it done so that we can start to improve in those different areas of our life. And and you really have a strong strategy in helping us grow with leadership. So talk to us a little bit about how how your win strategy came to be. My win strategy evolved related to a speech that I was doing for a Rotary Club. They wanted some tangible ways to talk about leadership, not in the abstract, not just leadership profiles and say, oh, you'll be better if you're more like Mother Teresa or Dr. King. They wanted something that everyday people could resonate with. And it's not to say that we don't need to understand and study those leadership profiles, but more importantly, how do we have practical application? So that's when I would introduce and continue to share this message of that we all can win each and every day, that I felt that I was commissioned to motivate everyday people, ordinary people to have an extraordinary impact by teaching them some lessons on how to win. So the W stands for welcoming new opportunities. The I is for imagining your future. And then I struggled. Actually, my brother helped me with the last piece. He said, well, the piece that I really appreciate about you and the work that you do, no matter what happens, you never give up. So that's the end. So welcome opportunities, imagine your future and never give up. And once I brought all those letters together, almost a decade ago, the reality has been, it's been a guiding principle, a guiding set of values that help me and then I can help others. But until I really started to think strategically on what I was called to do, how I would do it, and having a clear blueprint through this win model, it was some days challenging to figure out what was next. But now I just go with the win strategy each day. Oh my gosh. When you say it like that, it sounds so simple. And by the way, your brother sounds like an amazing brother to have, (laughs) to be able to, to give you praise like that. I've been blessed. When I tell people, I know sometimes we just see each other, but the reality of it is... Every time that you go out and about, you're actually seeing everyone else that contributes and pours into our lives. So for me, when I think about my faith in particular, 
when you see me, you see my grandmother who prayed for me to have an opportunity, a first-generation student to go to college. She prayed for me to never work with my hands because I come from a family of maids and domestics. She said, no, you'll work with your mind. So a reflection of each and every one of us are really those prayers and that labor of love for so many that help to bring us through, family, friends, maybe even strangers. But I always remind myself that we don't win alone, we win together. Mm, So good. So good. All right. So let's dive into this win strategy a little bit, because when you talk about it, it does make it sound very doable. I don't want to say too simple because I know it's so impactful. And sometimes the most simple things are impactful, but it takes away a lot of the overwhelm. Because I think sometimes when we think about how do I grow to that next level in my leadership or in my impact, it can feel daunting to be able to do that. So dive into this a little bit with us. When you're talking about welcoming new opportunities, I know that right now there's a lot of people out there like giving permission to say no, which is against welcoming new opportunities. So talk to us a little bit about how this particular piece of the strategy fits in. No is a powerful word. So I do want to encourage, especially women, especially busy moms, to understand that that no is powerful and it's essential. I just gave a series of no's today. There were plenty of great things, plenty of issues to work on. And I unfortunately had to say no. And the reason why I had to say no is because one, I had to prioritize the things that I already had committed to. But also, if I'm going to win that W, welcome new opportunities, I have to have space for those opportunities. And I just feel sometimes as women, we're tempted just to add on to the plate until it just overflows. But the reality of it is that welcome new opportunities and to have access to new potential, I have to have room on my plate. So with that being said, I made a determination even this morning. I said, that sounds wonderful. And when I say my normal self, my normal self would have been five minutes before I said no. (laughs) My normal (laughs) self said yes to everything. And then once again, it can lead to regret. And also burnout. Let's just be honest. In the midst of COVID, that's one of the things that I really worked on, more honesty and transparency. We cannot achieve our best as a leader, as a mother, as a sister, as a friend, as a wife, whatever label you identify with, when you have nothing left to give. You know, when your light is burned out, you don't have any more oil. You know, we use the the, uh, example of the 10 virgins. When When I've run out of oil, I'm not prepared for when the bridegroom comes for when the presence of the Lord even comes. There's been times where I feel like God's called me to pray, intercede, to read my Bible. And I'm like, hold on, I have 20 other things to do. So to welcome new opportunities is not easy because it means that I have to have some space to say no to those unwanted responsibilities so I can say yes to the hope for the future and even for my destiny. So it's intentional. It's moment by moment. It's email by email. It's day by day. I remember there was a, a great role model of mine. I was attending one of her lectures and she said, well, the reality of it is justice is about me too, because I have to make sure that I have enough energy and enough tenacity and enough courage to continue my work. So some days she said, I, I just take days for my different portions of the day just for myself to pause, reflect and grow in some meaningful ways. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I've attended this conference every year for eight years. She had a wonderful keynote address, but I felt like she was speaking directly to me. I took the liberty and I left. And you know what I did? I just walked around the lake. I just caught my breath. So welcoming new opportunities will require us to be discerning on, are we giving more no's than we can meet? And do we have enough space for a good quality yes for a new opportunity? 
Oh, it's so good. So let me ask you this question. What advice would you give on that? Because I think sometimes, I know for myself, I can, I'm an overthinker. So I can get caught up in like, well, I can see how this could be a good opportunity, but I kind of feel like it might not necessarily fit in with the direction that I think I should be going or with what I'm currently working on. And then I think, again, I'm an overthinker. I think, well, what if the Holy Spirit's using this to take me in a different direction than I thought I wanted to be in? Because I know sometimes from past experience, you know, God knows better than me (laughs) when I'm laying out my plans. So how do you discern that? How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to to make room for those new opportunities? Did you know that summertime is a great time to be investing in your own personal growth? And one of the easiest ways that you can do that is through listening to audible books. I don't know about you, but I love reading a good book, but sometimes I just do not have the time. But with it being summertime, there might be longer car trips. Maybe you're getting outside and walking more or just relaxing in your backyard after a long day's work, enjoying that extra sunshine. Your personal growth can be just as easy as hitting play on a great audiobook. Some of the books that I have recently listened to that I highly recommend, Developing the Leader Within by John Maxwell, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets by Andy Stanley, and Think, Learn, Succeed by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. These are just a few of the books that I highly recommend. I'm currently listening to Atomic Habits. I know it's taken me a long time to get around to this book, but I am so enjoying it. So what are you waiting for? You can get a free audiobook by going to yourliferocks.com forward slash audible. That's yourliferocks.com forward slash audible, and you'll get a free audiobook for you to start your summer learning and take a step forward in becoming a better you. So how do you discern that? How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to to make room for those new opportunities? It's something I'm learning each and every day and practicing. Like you said, sometimes I have to be prayerful because maybe it's a revelation of something that I need to know. Maybe it's something that our teacher would say no to, but truly it may be the gift that I need to get more clarity around even my faith journey. So I would say a piece of one of my tips is I make sure that I don't feel hurried to make a determination. I found that just from my own personal experience, when I'm rushing, I don't have clarity. So some emails I respond to, if it doesn't have anything that's really timely and urgent, maybe I pray on it and answer in the next 24 hours. I think we put some pressure on ourselves. We have to answer within the next 24 seconds. You have a full day. Take a full day, pray on it, and then answer. Ask yourself as you're taking that time, ask yourself, how does it align with? And this is some time that I want us all to invest in. I spent years discerning this simple question. Why am I here? I know it was a part of answering the question on purpose-driven life. Why am I here? What am I here to do? And once I get clarity on those two questions, and it, it evolves. You know, you write different chapters in your life, of course. And, and God is the, my great aunt always told me, she lived well into her 90s. She oftentimes told me, well, it's already been written. So you just have to have that faith to kind of walk in it as well. And then she would tell me another thing. She said, it's kind of, because I also come from a family of seamstress. So she would say, almost like, you know, when God made that pattern, he cut the cloth to make you, he only made one you. Your brother, your sister, It's you have similarities in your DNA and your background, but there's only one you. So that's the other thing. I had to discern what was for me. And when I started to ask more of those questions more internally and praying and reflecting on it, it was easier to determine which things were a distraction which things would consume my time and which things didn't help to get me to that God-given talent that that I was given and that kingdom assignment that I have. 
Many things come my way. I get hundreds of emails a day with requests. I have to make the determination of what I can do, what I cannot do, who maybe I refer something to. But my default is, to be honest, at this point and stage in my life, my default is no. And then I might evolve into a maybe and a yes. Mm, that's good. That's good. And I think that that is such a good bridge to the I and when, which is imagining your future. So talk to us a little bit about that, because I feel like that's kind of more of that compass point that you can kind of use to guide you on those new opportunities. Am I right in assuming that? You are right in assuming that. And imagining your future is really about this piece of that when we hear about it and we read the scriptures, we read Jeremiah 29 and 11, and we're reassured that God gives us a hope for the future and expected end, and that he's really bringing us forth to prosper us in many ways. And that's not just monetarily. It's about peace. It's about a legacy. It's about connection. It's about unveiling everything he's put in us. So if we think about those pieces and even reflect on the word of God, it, it will give us a different sense of direction. So when I'm talking about imagining your future, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't even heard all that God has for us. And if I'm so busy, I'm not able to even hear the voice of the Lord on where he's directing me and what that future looks like. Because in our world today, there's so many challenges and we'd be lost and think that there's not potentially even a future. Many folks I meet, one gentleman, you know, he was, he was attacking me about why did I smile so much? But I think we should be excited about that. He's like, I just want to know the world we live in. Why would you even smile? You know, I was smiling even as I was responding. I was like, because I hope for a future. (laughs) You know, I know who I serve. I know that I'm a part of a, a kingdom of a heavenly family, just even right here on earth. Why would I not be smiling? And better yet, I'm alive today. That's a testament of faith in God's grace right there. I can't help but to smile. He still wasn't convinced, but at least I planted that seed. (laughs) But here's the reality. If I'm imagining my future, I have to imagine my future in a way that I also protect it. So I have to protect the energy. I have to protect the time around it to be able to have the opportunity to strategically build it. I'll just use another personal example. In imagining my future, I mean, I'm from a small community, a small hometown here in in Rondo. The reality of it is many people that I grew up with, they probably didn't even leave the few mile radius between, you know, our two main intersections. And although we're in a large metropolitan city, most people are bound just by a simple thing of geography alone. If I imagined my future at just that one mile radius, imagine what I would have missed. Yes, Mm. I would have had my cultural heritage. Yes, I would have understood my hometown. But since I was a little girl, God put something in me and told me that I'd go to the world. What that meant, I had no idea. Most of my family had never even been on an airplane. I've traveled more of the world than the United States. And using what God gave me to motivate, to inspire people, to uplift people in some meaningful ways. But once again, if I didn't have the space and the faith to imagine my future, I only would have been able to see just from Dale to Snelling and back again. And there's a whole world out there. So imagining your future, you also have to open up your eyes to see more clearly of what the future could be. I think that this is such a impactful piece to this. And I think that, you know, we can get so bogged down in the pressures and the stress and the busyness of everyday life that sometimes we do forget to kind of dream about our future or think about what could be or be open to the possibilities because we just get so bogged down with the pressures and the heaviness of of everyday life, even if we are smiling throughout the day and it's not hard, 
but you know, when between work and kids and the house and like all of the things, it's hard to even be thinking. Or I know for, for some of my friends, I was recently having coffee with a friend and we were talking about like what's in coming up in the next season for her. And she was kind of mentioned like, you know, at this stage, I mean, me and my friends were all like in our, our mid forties and it's kind of, you know, feels like we're entering a different season of our life or maybe the possibilities are not as vast as they were, you know, when you're entering the world at your twenties and taking it all on and anything is possible. And now it feels like things are a little bit more set. And I kind of am feeling that theme more and more and more with other women that I meet that are my age. And so what advice do you have for people that feel like maybe those opportunities are a little bit more limited based off of their age or or just the season of life that they're in? I just remind people that really there's a couple different things that we never want to forget, especially as believers. You don't want to forget God's time and God's economy. The first one for God's time, you know, we know her as Sarai and then she became Sarah. It With fertility, everything we know, it's impossible to have a child. And remember, she even laughed, like, <laughs> come on, God, are you serious? I love that and line in the Bible. she was like, yeah, like, come on. Like, I don't think you've heard this one clearly and you haven't seen me, right? And she devises her own plan and, you know, brings forth, Ish- helps bring forth Ishmael. She does all these things because she's not so certain how this all ties together. But God's timing is that his time aligns with his principles. So for me, in that way, yes, I sometimes feel a sense of urgency. Sometimes I feel a sense of disappointment even to say, well, by such and such age, you were supposed to do such and such. What happens yes. to that little Cinderella plan? <laughs> yes. But then I step back and say, remember all those examples throughout the Bible that Noah could still be used. And he was well over the age to build an ark. We don't think about it that way. But all those opportunities, and there's a gospel song that I love, and it says, I want to live so God can use me anywhere, Lord, and anyhow. So the reason why I bring this up, because God's timing doesn't look like our timing. For us, it seems like it took, you know, 40 years for God to really manifest. It was clarity, uh, heal a past wound, to bring us through many trials and tests. And in God's eyes, that could have felt like a day. And then look, that that's 40 years for you. But God says on tomorrow, this too shall pass. And that next day or that next decade could look radically different. So for me, I try to, and it's hard, it is a struggle, but I focus on those pieces around God's timing. And I'll also give the example of, I said God's economy, because I oftentimes, my friends are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm talking about Jesus money. And they're like, what do you mean Jesus money? It's like, because I I think sometimes we worry so much about money and tangible things, but you know, if Jesus could tell his disciples, go in the mouth of the fish and find the money to render unto Caesar what's due Caesar, why am I worried about all this money and all these issues all the time? Can I have faith, like faith of a mustard seed, that if God calls me to do something, and I can give a personal example of this, but when God calls me to do something in his economy, he'll set the stage. So here it is. I'll give a personal example. Even our nonprofit, I knew I was called to do something different around, you know, literacy, around education, being more impactful and giving young people some of this hope for the future of what I'm talking about, of hope really being a part of my message. But it looked impossible to publish our first book. It's like, how do you get started? Where do you go? And God's timing was 
that all the doors are closed. Everyone's like, we're not so sure about the concept. We're not so sure about diverse books and diverse voices. We don't know what to do. And then I said, well, why don't I reach out to someone who I know who's written a children's book? And then they said, well, sure, we'll help you. And then the next person said, sure, we'll help you. So I had all the help, but I still didn't have the currency. This is where God's economy steps in. Literally, we I went back to, I said, okay, what do I know about sales and fundraising? Girl Scout cookies. What was unique about Girl Scout cookies? You didn't have the box in hand yet. You just had a sheet of paper and it said what you were selling and had an overview. I wrote my Girl Scout overview of our book. And with <laughs> our team, just a handful of us, but we pre-sold the book in excess of $20,000. If that's not God's economy and God's stirring faith around something that we imagine for the future to be impactful and to bring forth justice and stir up the faith of everyday people, I don't know what else is. And once again, God's timing because it looked impossible. Everyone else said no. But when we have that space, when we create those opportunities and we stir up our faith to the point that we at least say, God, if you gave me the message, I believe it. That's that mustard seed faith. But I'm trying to get to the level of the next phase where I'm like, okay, God, if you said it, settles it, we just move on. (laughs) And so as we reach out and we go into these places and spaces within our life, I just sure hope that we don't get lost by what our age is, what our experience is how much money we have, what our title is at work. Because at the end of it all, we're believers with a mission and an assignment. I hope we don't lose focus of that. That's so good. Yeah. As you were you were saying that last piece, I was just thinking like, we do need to remember the like what we started talking about at the very beginning of this podcast, the whole purpose of it, right, is to lead people to Jesus, to be a leader for other people that create a positive environment in this world that that can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so why put limitations on that when God has no limitations on the things that he does? And when we're doing things for him, why not? Why wouldn't we be able to tap into that? Which I think ties so perfectly into your last one of your win strategy. We talked about the W being welcoming new opportunities, the I imagining your future, and the N never giving up. Never giving up is who I am. Based upon all the data, statistics, what people say, what you'd find on primetime news, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be a lawyer. I should not have earned my doctorate or my master's in public policy. I shouldn't be able to, you know, support my family and help raise us up out of poverty in one generation. Those things are unheard of. But once again, you put together God's timing and God's economy. That's the purpose of everything. So that's when the Apostle Paul talks about how God took the foolish things to confound the wise. No one would expect me to be Dr. Tyner. But here's the reality. God took those foolish things of all those circumstances that seem impossible to overcome, that you could not beat the odds. And he gave me the courage. And I feel like, I, uh, you know, I want to talk about King David for a moment. Everyone said you had to do it this way. You defeat a giant like this. You stand this way. And even King Saul offered him his own equipment. And, and David's like, no, no, no. We Let me just, notice what he says. He gives that sense of let me just do what God gave me to do. And all I need is my slingshot and these few stones and I'll knock down this giant. So for many of us, we don't see ourselves clearly of who we are. But as giant slayers, we don't give up. He didn't turn back around. He could have looked up and said, that giant's too big to fall. 
That circumstance in life is too big to overcome. That boss in the workplace will never overcome the challenges of the workplace and move up the career ladder. We'll never overcome the challenge of motherhood and managing soccer, baseball, choir all in one day. But this potential of leaning in on faith, leaning in on faith, leaning in on God's word, leaning in on each other as well. We didn't talk about that, but never giving up requires also connection to others. Those other cheerleaders you go to coffee with that you say, girl, you're going to make it. Sister, you can do this. Sister, take one more step forward. Never take a step backwards. This is the beauty of never giving up because this is the instrument of our faith coming through. Whether it's a healthcare emergency, I've had those too. Whether it's a family crisis, I've had those too. The reality of being grounded in this peace that oftentimes we used to sing in our churches of that sense of we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his word. He's never failed me yet. So in that way, never give up is a part of who I am. It's a part of what I think I learned was Bible verses and, you know, the choir songs probably, you know, from my mother's womb. So I've been birthed into this faith and courage to never give up and to help others have the faith and courage to know that we can come this far by faith. So good. So good. You know, I always remind myself because whenever I think something should be a certain way, I expect it to just be that way. You know, if I set a goal, I just expect like tomorrow I'm going to hit that goal. (laughs) Even if I know, you know, logically it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. But, you know, and something in our spirit sometimes gets really impatient. And when I don't see the fruit of it right away, or I'm not seeing the goal come to fruition, or I'm not even seeing the progress of it, I have to remind myself that my God is the same God of Lazarus. And I have to remind myself that sometimes, going back to what you said before, my timing is not always his timing. And and I have to lean on that. And just because I'm not seeing it happen today, just because I'm not feeling any progress towards what my goal is or what my intention is today, I have to remember that my God is still the same. And in his timing, I will see it and have to have faith on that. That's the beauty of faith, that we can stretch it. It's like a muscle. We grow in it. You don't have the same faith, nor do I, when we were 20. We, that muscle grows over time. Yeah. Each decade brings a new depth, a new shape, a new you know dimension to these muscles of faith. And once we bring it together as a group of sisters and we're praying and believing for each other, oh, we're unstoppable. So, so true. And one of the things that you said too, is you know, kind of tying it back into this whole leadership and growing in leadership, one of the things that you said that I think is so overlooked sometimes, but can be the biggest, most valuable piece of leadership is that community piece and being able to have other women around you that you're able to speak into their life just as much as they're encouraging you and being your cheerleader and helping you not give up, but you're able to do that for others. And I feel like that is truly where we get to show our leadership, where we get to lead other people to lean further into their own faith and grow in their own faith. It's essential. I know we oftentimes hear it even from those African proverbs on leadership that, you know, if we want to go far, we have to go together. It's essential. Everything that I do in my day-to-day life, I try to, for instance, cook all the family meals, move everyone in the right direction. And all of a sudden I said, well, why don't we each pick a dish? Even around the holidays, around Christmas, I wanted to bake cookies for everybody. And then all of a sudden I was like, why can't we do a cookie exchange? Why don't I just bake you know, 12 dozen of my favorite, bring my other 11 friends together. We, we share the cookies, we share time. And I know that might seem like a small thing, just about cookies, 
but it really was an opportunity for us to all share greater gift. We brought them to the fire department, to the police department, to our neighbors. All of a sudden, we had a way to get further, faster together. And once again, that's not the way traditionally that leadership is looked at. That's not the way community is is characterized. But if we're looking back through the lens of faith, we know whether it was the early church coming out of the, uh, the Acts, we have that idea that people came together and got in one accord with praying, with serving, and with engaging in the community. Why would we not lean into that ourselves? So amazing. I love it. I love this entire win strategy because it's deep. (laughs) You know, when we first started talking about this, it was like, oh, it's such a great, simple strategy. Keeps it without being overwhelming. But it, it really cuts deep on all three levels in all of the best ways. And I'm so thankful that God has given this wisdom to you to be able to share this with the world. Now, if people want to connect with you, if they want to learn from you, if they want to purchase your books, hear you speak, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is our website. And it's my name, A-R-T-I-K-A-T-Y-N-E-R.com. So go to artikatiner.com. Visit our YouTube channel. That's one of the ways that I engage and share the public lectures and you know, webinars, all those good things. So stay engaged and make sure that you have opportunities to, if you learn something today, share it with someone else, plant that seed. Oh, so good. So good. I am so thankful that you are walking this out and that you're sharing this message with other people. And I just feel so blessed that you were on our podcast to be able to share this with our audience. I just pray that God would continue to use you in every single thing that you're doing and that he would use you to reach more people to further the kingdom because the things that you have to say are so uplifting and so encouraging for other people. And you bring it in such a way that's tangible and gives so much hope. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And thank you for everything that you're doing to create this platform, to bring us back and redefine balance, be impactful in our day-to-day lives and family and community. I just continue to pray that you have the opportunity to reach even a larger audience to plant those seeds of hope in some meaningful ways. So thank you. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.